0: Welcome into the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here. Wanted to bring this little special series to the table since this war began in the Ukraine, but held back just a little bit so that we could see what was going on and get a fuller perspective. But we are going to talk to, over the course of three podcasts, our three ladies who are doing readings for us now at FunAstrology.com. We're going to talk to Delia Golden today. Then Marilyn Michelle will be next, followed by Laura Taft, and that is simply based on how we were able to get together. The idea or intention of this is to obviously offer just a fuller, rounder, different perspective on what's going on. We are going to keep these to the astrology and not the politics, so it doesn't matter which side you are on. We are going to keep these, as much as we can given the topic, apolitical or politically neutral and focus on objective astrology. That's the introduction. Let's now talk to Delia Golden. Well, Delia, welcome back to Fun Astrology. I've been looking forward to this. I wanted to talk to everybody that's doing our readings and just kind of get some readings on what's going on. So thanks for being first. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh,
1: well, thank you. I'm glad to be here again. I uh, love to talk astrology.
0: You and I have a kind of a unique perspective on this conversation because we are both participants in this solar arc class that I've been talking about quite a bit with Robert Glasscock that we've been looking at some of the things that we're going to be talking about together here. And I've said on here before, you just have such an amazing, wonderful perspective that when you open your microphone The whole conversation just goes silent because we all want to hear what you have to say. So I'm looking forward to the same thing here. And we have decided in our conversation before we started recording here that we would start with the United States, what's known as the Ebenezer Sibley chart, which is, of course, July 4th, 1776, dated or time stamped 510 p.m. And the location is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania if any of you would like to cast that similar chart. And then over that, we are putting a solar arc directed chart. in if that gets a little bit deep, you can just listen to what we're talking about. But if you wanted to put a solar arc directed chart on top of that, it is dated to March 12, 2022 at 12 noon. So that's uh, Eastern time, by the way, Washington, D.C. time. So that's what we're looking at as we're having this conversation and you know, Delia, I think one of the groundwork things that's come up for me is that we have to just to kind of lay a little bit of foundation here is that in that Sibley chart, there's a really significant square between two planets. And Robert has mentioned this quite a bit, there's been a lot of elaboration on it. We have in the United States chart, baked into the bones of the United States, Neptune in the 10th house. In Virgo. And by the way, one other addition on that, we are both using an equal house system chart. Okay. So that's what we're referencing in the houses. So Neptune is in the 10th house, and Mars is one degree square of that Neptune, and Mars is in the seventh house in Gemini, the twin. And that has proven to be quite a significant structural square. In our, United, in our United States chart.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's like one of the foundations. And with the planets that are angular, they're even more emphasized. It gives them more power for good or ill, or both, in whatever ways that they function.
0: So one of the things that Robert has brought up, and as we're observing in this class, and just kind of from a perch of... Um, I loved what he said recently, are we moving more toward these potential aspects, the, the what side of these aspects are we moving toward, or are we more moving away from them? Moving toward them means moving toward more authoritarianism. Moving away from them would be, of course, trying to preserve individual freedoms. But one of the things that he mentioned around Neptune in the 10th house, especially squaring Mars— is things like the lies and the deception. And I I know, like you, you probably have heard so many people talking about how it's just very difficult these days to find anything true. And right now, as we're recording this, transiting Neptune up over our heads in the sky is in a direct opposition to our natal United States Neptune, which is only amplifying it.
1: Oh, yes. And today, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking, uh, the Sun, transit Sun, is conjunct that Neptune today.
0: Which even punches it more, because if we symbolize the Sun as representing the soul of the United States, if you will, then it just only amplifies that more. What are your thoughts on that Neptune original position as a starting place? Do you look back over our history?
1: One, it says... I think there was a kind of a, a spiritual intention and with Neptune in Virgo, it's kind of like pure in a way, like wanting, wanting things to be uh, organic. And, and I believe it was founded on people who own land, right? Landowners to give them the advantage. That's what I guess the country was founded to in, in the constitution was written around landowners, which of course, White males, women couldn't own land, slaves couldn't own land. So it's built around that that paradigm, which is <laughs> these days, everything's being challenged and, and um, either going to break up, modify, or dissolve. And um, it's in that process of these old ideas that you said baked in. And, you know, Mars in the seventh is men you know, male and aggression and Gemini that it's in, you know, using all the words and the disinformation um, angle and you don't know who to believe. You know, so many people in America get Russian disinformation and they have for years. So it is hard to tell, you know, what's a true source and what isn't. And one thing as a librarian, we're trained to, Find authoritative resources, and a lot of them, like databases and those kinds of things, are behind um, paywalls. So, uh, open web isn't a good place to get verifiable information. So, if people are relying on that in social media, it's kind of a poking around in the dark. Which to me, that that's that Neptune kind of digging around in the dark for the details, but you don't know. <laughs> you, you can't evaluate it if you don't know how to evaluate or anything to measure against. So I think that's what we're up against, you know, as a general public.
0: You know, there was another element of that Neptune that came alive for me as we were talking about it, that somebody put a book in my hands a while back called Killers of the Flower Moon. It's basically about the Osage Indians, which were corralled, if you will, into Indian territory just north of Tulsa, where I grew up. And that was Osage County up there in that northeastern section of Oklahoma. And the book is about their oil and oil rights and how this guy came in and started basically killing off the Osage so that he could eventually get the oil rights. And what was interesting, too, is, of course, kind of a parallel timeline, was J. Edgar Hoover during this time had just been appointed to the FBI And this was his first big breakthrough case. And he hired a lawman out of Texas to solve it, and he did. And that's the whole thing. It's going to be a movie soon with quite a few big stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and several others. But the so, I mean, it's kind of a big deal book. But as he was setting the stage, he talked about Thomas Jefferson, the signer of the or the author of the Declaration of Independence. When he completed the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, as the author cited, he called the leaders of the Osage to Washington, D.C. to assure them that their land where they originally were, which was basically up around Kansas City, let's say either side of Kansas City and south, that that was their land and they were not going to be relocated. And within three years... They had started to move them off of their homeland. And I just thought, ah, all the way back then that Neptune had showed up.
1: Yes. Well, plus Mars and seventh. the seventh is treaties. And I think I made this observation observation class one time that, you know, Mars and Gemini kind of two faced, you know, saying one thing, doing another, which is one of the experiences that, uh, Native Americans have had with treaties that they've had with the US government. they weren't honored.
0: Well, here's why I think taking a look at this, this isn't to you know to throw rocks at a glass house. The reason of setting this up is for the very aspect of the, of the multi centuries, Pluto, up in the sky, has returned to exactly the same place where it was when they signed the Declaration of Independence back in 1776. And it's going to dance over that place already with one direct aspect, and then it turns retrograde, hits it again, then it turns direct and hits it again all this year. So really that energy is there, present, alive, and at its peak all year. And one of the things that I think a Pluto return could symbolize is all of these structural things, like we're talking about, that have been abused, that have been amplified recently. In other words, where we're not being authentic, where we are not, where we have left the values that you described of the purity of Neptune in Virgo, the good intentions of a—I mean, you're exactly right— that Neptune does show a spiritual route to the country. And, of course, the shadow side is that it got off on religious control, right? So the positive side of that, the movement away from the shadow, would be back toward a more true, pure spirituality among the people, not so much from a perspective of either control or manipulation.
1: Right, and it's in Capricorn, which is business, it's all business, and just uh, getting down to the essence instead of all the superfluous things. You know, it's because our second house is our values as a nation and what we think we've been founded on. So we really need, as you pointed out, get back to the roots because, uh, you know, a lot of, um, I would say, business has kind of gone to extremes and is going to prune that. Because Pluto is also extremism in business. And so you have these multi-billionaires, you know, and then you have people who have been more and more disadvantaged by the, the laws and legislation that, that these billionaires have kind of bought into with dark money. So it's a balance sheet that's coming out. And Pluto, to me, reminds me of like a, a bulldozer. It's going to plow, plow things
0: under, and you'll have new growth in the spring, whenever that is. You know, I had Pluto very involved in my life, especially in my 30s and 40s, and it did its work. It, there was death and destruction, and then there was rebirth. So I'm speaking as one who can look at the impact of Pluto, and I've got to say that while you're in the process of the pruning, it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. But there is always with Pluto. The symbolism is that there is something better on the other side. Absolutely.
1: I think the trick is you have to latch on to something that's sustaining, I guess, spiritually and mentally and um, physically, whatever that is. And a lot of times it is your core beliefs or your spirituality or thought system, like if somebody isn't religious or really consider themselves spiritual, you know, there has to be something, I guess, to anchor onto that.
0: Do you have any other thoughts or things that you've seen or read or researched about the Pluto return?
1: Um, As far as mundane astrology, just what we've learned in the solar arcs class, but, you know, just having the experience of Pluto, which, you know, most people, (laughs) if you get— you know, you partway part way through your, your life, you will have some kind of a Pluto experience. Um, it removes things. And um, supposedly you're, you'll be better off for it um, because you have to rebuild after that. Um, but I don't think people or entities have, don't have recourse for rebuilding. So I would look to the positive things. In the US Sibley chart, that would hint at, you know, how how things could be rebuilt. And sometimes things can start rebuilding as soon as they are pruned away. You know, you may not see the shoots above the surface, but, you know, on a certain level, things will be rebuilt. And in the modern age, things happen at the speed of light. Information decisions happen really fast. So maybe that's part of what's being trimmed away is, are the old slow ways of getting things done.
0: God, That's a good thought.
1: And I'm looking at the house that Pluto rules and that is the 12th house. So a lot of it is stuff that's behind the scenes and that rules institutions, um, you know, government, hospitals, education, all these big overarching institutions. Also, you know, anything going on, on um, behind the scenes that's also our hidden enemies. So I think this is going to be a period where things come to light, where um, anything that's working against United States um, and the people will be pruned away, come to light, and hopefully rendered obsolete or powerless.
0: Yeah, that's a great thought. Pluto gets rid of what is not authentic to the core, right? And the core Mm -hmm. are, like you said, the placements in that natal chart, the original intentions. That's the core. And where we have drifted off course, that's what Pluto is going to correct. You know, it's kind of funny. And again, we're staying apolitical here. So however side, whatever side you're on, we want you to hear the astrology and not the politics. I've had so many people who previously would mention political conversations who now are basically saying, just wipe it out and start over. (laughs) It's like, just, we need a do-over. In other words, everybody's kind of saying they're done with it, you know? So I think a lot of people are starting to feel what Pluto's business is. And of course, we'll keep watching to see if we're moving more toward it or away from it, as we said. Yeah.
1: And it's in the house of also our economy, so maybe we're going to digital currency. There's a recent article about that. So maybe the physical form of currency will be obsolete and replaced by something else. And and of course, paying for things would involve, you know, different procedures. Everybody would have to have the means to do that, like a, a smartphone or a card that could be read. So I don't know, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how that evolves. I think already the 21st century is completely different from the 20th century. I mean, the last 20 years have, you know, I don't think I would have foreseen in certain ways what we have now. It's kind of like Star Trek technology. (laughs) And one thing I watch with interest on social media are all the, you know, space exploration. Mars, the new telescopes like Hubble. They're going to see back to the beginning of the universe, the Big Bang. And look at the light coming from that. It started billions of years ago. So I don't know. It's all really exciting. And and Pluto is mystery too. So uncovering mysteries. So I don't know. It's all all really exciting. And um, and I think we've had a lot of excitement.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have the last two years in particular.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. hone
0: in now on this solar arc chart. So the solar arc chart is a way that you basically bring the chart forward to today. It's a way to update the model, if you will. It's what where the energies are buzzing and circulating right now. It's a very slow-moving chart, and basically how it's calculated in its most simplistic form is that from the original birth chart, in this case, 1776, you advance all of the planets 1 degree forward each year there's no retrograde it's just click 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 you move everything forward 1 degree per year and that's the solar arc directed chart that we're going to be referencing now and there are three primary aspects that i thought we'd talk about here one break them down individually we'll do the we'll do them in order of occurrence okay does that sound all right we'll do them as they come Yes. So the one that is there now, it's happening right now, is solar arc Pluto. See, we're not getting too far away from Pluto, and that's why we brought it up before. Solar arc Pluto now, not transiting Pluto. Understand the difference. We're talking about two different Plutos. Solar arc Pluto is sitting right on top of the United States midheaven in its natal chart. So, Delia, why don't you break down what that looks like?
1: Yes, I've been looking at that here as we've been talking. It captured my attention, and it's Pluto is transformative. It ends things and brings them back into a different form. And this solar arc Pluto is in Libra, which is justice, it's balance. So, I've been getting the vibe of things getting back into balance again. From uh, you know, think of Libra as the scales. Sometimes they swing one way or in the other. So it's going to try to bring about a balance. And the midheaven is the uh, the leader or the authority. So that would be something through through the leader of the United States, which is the presidency. But also we have a uh, our form of government is checks and balances. So if those have gotten out of whack, I think that's probably going to see some adjustments like strengthening the checks and balances so that the swings of the scale can't, you know, go so far out of, out of order.
0: Yeah. That would, that would be a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Cause like legislation, um, justice, and then the executive branch. So I'm sure there'll be some reform in those regards to kind of keep, keep things checked and balanced.
0: You know, it's kind of funny in our own lives individually, and when we're talking about something collective like here, Pluto knows your secrets. <laughs> it knows you think you've done something to get away with it, right? You like the everybody. I think agrees our political system is corrupt all the way through, and that's. Oh, I
1: was going to say, are you confessing something here? Yeah,
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, you know, I've had my own path and I got off path and that's what my whole subconscious mind mastery podcast is about is coming back to, you know, this this process, this Plutonian process of getting whacked upside the head so much that it drags you to your knees and you know, can only look up. You know, it's like the the phoenix rising out of the ashes, but you have to be in the ashes in order to rise up. So, yeah, I mean, I've had my misdirections, and maybe that's why I can connect with this process so much too, is just, yeah, I've been there, done that, and it will it does it knows like you know everybody gets up on the in the press conferences, and they all look so smug and like they're like you know the the cat that just ate the mouse is grinning, right, but Pluto knows, and Pluto will uncover systematically, methodically. And sometimes painfully, if there's resistance, but it will expose and bring you back to your truth. And yes, the good part is that the original intentions will be the plumb line, I guess, is the best way to put it, of what the process will be. So do you think that that, as you're looking at it there, do you think that that equals a painful experience, or do you think it's something that could maybe be a little bit more benevolent?
1: I don't think Pluto is ever not painful. It just depends on what degree. And I, I think it's just obvious, looking looking out, like if you look at your newspaper headlines, that there's a lot of, of this painful transformation, you know, as a nation we're going undergoing and worldwide. So um, something's coming to an end, because Pluto re- represents death in a way, the death of something, the end of something. So, you know, I think it takes just looking at kind of like the, the buzz that you hear every day. And as Robert says, are we getting closer to something coming to an end or are we getting closer to it being be rebuilt? And, and I think justice is involved a lot in because of Libra. But also it represents peace and war. You know, so we find ourselves not through our own actions, having this award at our doorstep, possibly, you know. So that's an outside power coming to our authority and challenging it and trying to overcome it. And however that plays out, it's going to be tough, I think, because there are already people in the world who are experiencing outside power and, and you know, they're suffering for that.
0: And that's happening right now. I mean, that is a very fresh, real Pluto, this planet of this type of transformation. How do you correlate Pluto with war? I know we call Mars the god of war. How do you bring Pluto in, or do you at all, when we're talking uh, it's, about uh, war?
1: It's, oh, it's a sign Libra because that naturally rules the seventh house, which is one, well, partnerships, but it's also your open enemies, and it's also— people you align with as an ally. So <laughs> it, it's, it's all of those, the other. So that's why I'm saying that, you know, Pluto, and when you can look at the headlines, you know, there's, there's a, a warlike power homing in on our uh, authority, our executive branch power of wielding, that wields our power in the world and domestically. So that's a challenge.
0: Yeah, it's big.
1: And it's also, you know, so I think that requires kind of response that will, will you know, make the enemy back off, but in ways that aren't least destructive. At least, I think, from our perspective, because, you know, with Russia, we haven't been the aggressor. We're trying to tiptoe around somebody who can build nuclear weapons, which, you know, Pluto is involved with. Destruction and, and, in fact, when Pluto was discovered, I think early '30s, that was uh, was when nuclear weapons, nuclear power was discovered. At the same time, so that marks Pluto as being affiliated with with nuclear weapons and atomic weapons.
0: Hmm. Ushered it in.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of like the power and the threat behind the aggression that's coming up on our. On our country, because the United States, I believe, is seen as a threat by Russia. So,
0: When I look at just this, when I look at Pluto in the solar arc chart sitting on top of our midheaven, and then I look at the natal chart, and Pluto is sitting on top of its original position, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? I mean, that's pretty ominous to my eyes.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look pretty, but... um, I think that we can have some faith in our leadership. Isn't going to go, uh, you know, go off half-cocked and, and do things that are going to, I guess, trigger (laughs) the other side into, um, into a massive uh, reaction. So um, also there's diplomacy. So that has to come in play because that's also something involved with Libra. It's diplomacy, so that surely is at play. Like the power, someone who's very powerful does have the, I guess, the authority or seen as an equal with, with another superpower to negotiate. In a way, I don't know if it's it's Putin wanting acknowledgement in some way. I, you know, I don't know. You know, like you have to pay attention to me. I'm important. I have to be negotiated with. I think it would take a lot more in-depth study of the solar arcs and other, the other countries involved.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point, it's not about us yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there. And there is but, something
1: uh, hopeful, some other solar arcs, I think, in, in our seventh house of open enemies that, it, to me, kind of seems to be, speak to rationality in, in slowing down things. So, which is the, the solar arcs. Saturn.
0: Yeah, let me let me throw this other one in yeah. first because sequentially it yeah. happens next. The next one in the Solar Arc event sequence is that Solar Arc Mars, which is in Aquarius, will conjunct the United States Moon, which is in Aquarius in the 3rd house. Thoughts on that one?
1: Well, when the moon represents the public and Aquarius is a I guess a forward-looking sign, it could be it could be really conservative and reactive and revolutionary, but it's also uh, you know like progressive, wanting equality, and that's one of our founding principles. And Mars is action, and the third house is communications. It's our how things are built, infrastructure, and I'm looking for the houses that Mars rules because that'll be involved in these matters, and it rules. The fifth house, which is education and children, and it's uh, also speculation, the stock markets. So I don't know if there will be more people able to to do investing and be able to, I don't want to use the word compete, but have more of access to be able to build some wealth as individuals versus just having it all on. You have to have a huge company in order to make some money and, and have a good legacy built up. And Mars also rules, again, the 12th house of institutions. And um, it's also, I think, our subconscious fears and, and things that we have to deal with as a public, um, our subconscious beliefs. Those have to change. So um, I think that's already underway. So maybe there will be things come up for public awareness that people I guess becoming aware of them is the first step. If you're not aware of something, you can't fix it or heal it or work on it or even notice that you don't want to look at it, you know. So I think that will be some important actions that will at least the public is becoming aware. And Mars is also inflammation and anger. So, you know, there are a lot of hot button issues coming up in the public you know, right now and have been. So maybe that has to happen in order for things for I guess the public at large to decide who are we as a country and what do we want. How are we going to talk about this? Can we have public discourse? Can we, you know, understand one another with all these different viewpoints and all the anger? You know, so hopefully there will be some kind of cosmic psychotherapists that will. <laughs> At some point, I guess, facilitate kind of greater understanding between people with different points of view. And hopefully people can understand and accept, even if they don't approve, um, but not fight about it so much. But there certainly could be a lot of arguing about what's important. Um, I don't know. Hopefully that's... You did a beautiful
0: job of describing Mm -hmm. the, I think, the more positive outcomes that could be from this conjunction. Now, the exact time of this, again, is next year. So we're about a year to a year and a quarter away from this peaking. So we're in that waxing or applying, moving toward its building, getting stronger kind of energy. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Robert, that I really gleaned from listening to Robert all this time is the discussion tends to favor the shadow side of these archetypes. And I remember asking that specifically in class one time, like, shouldn't we be looking at both sides of the coin here? And this is somebody now with 57 years of experience, that we're studying under, Delia and I, Robert Glasscock. He's 77, and he started when he was 20. So that math is real easy. And this is one of those things that when you are working with somebody who has so much experience and has done so many readings, that you can kind of lean in and glean from their experience. And when they say, that in mundane astrology that we're talking about here, about a, a country or a big company or something bigger than an individual, that you tend to favor or look at more so the shadow side of the archetype. And that's basically because the public's consciousness is more on that side of, of the of the coin, if you will. So yes. let me throw you this, taking the shadow of this aspect into consideration. If Mars is the god of war and the third house also can represent our neighbors, could that be a symbolism that maybe, as you said, we're being pushed into this, we might be being pushed into a war?
1: Well, I think there's a domestic level, and then there's the international level, and certainly a lot of the misinformation We've learned is coming from foreign sources for years, you know, and influencing the public and public opinion. Uh, the other thing that came to mind with this is, you know, it'll be around the time of maybe the fall elections or what what follows from that. And the public, you know, of course, is the voting body that elects public officials. So I guess it's a, I guess a, a voting has become something of a war you know. So yeah, that's definitely something to pay attention to.
0: And uh, And there is something very positive in that third house as well. In the solar mm-hmm. arc chart, both Jupiter and Venus, and if we wanted to go into, dip into some ancient or Hellenistic astrology, the two great benefics are also in the third house. They happen to be in the sign of Pisces, but they are in that third house. So everything that we're Working out here. And, and, and while we're talking about it, so is Uranus. Uranus is in the uh, third house there in the solar arc chart, also in Aquarius. So we really are grappling with some interesting energies that sit, that right now are sitting basically right on top of, as you say, the soul of the United States, the people, the people, the people in their emotions, the people in their feelings, at least, of the United States. You got a quite a mix of energies blended there, for sure.
1: Yes, and to me, that's also the social media information that people get through it. Uh, third house is information and um,
0: Aquarius being technology.
1: Yeah, and relating. So, I mean, that's one of the houses that, to me, would represent social media and communication. So. Um, it's definitely being used as a, as a weapon, I think, um, by foreign influences and others. But um, it's—I uh, don't know—it's it pretty intense, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a—that is something uh, we'll have to watch. That as a whole, you know, I—I yeah. I, we were focusing on Mars, Moon mm-hmm. being the conjunction. So obviously, that—that that is the stronger energy. But yeah. we really need to consider these other three guys. We need to consider. Uranus, we need to consider Venus, and we need to consider Jupiter, all there as well in that same yeah. conversation. So yeah, that's quite a mix.
1: Yeah, so for for Venus and Jupiter, oh, they're in Pisces, so that's a multi-bodied sign, and it's it kind of goes beyond the physical. So it's, I think, a lot of communication happening. I don't know if you believe in evolution of people, but it's almost like we're connecting so quickly and stuff through technology. Is that a model for us to connect mind to mind and maybe evolve in a way that eventually if we kind of pass these tests to be more experience oneness in unity versus pushing others away in anger and fear? That may be one of the spiritual tests that we're undergoing. Um,
0: yeah, that, that may lead to the spiritual revival as well.
1: Yeah, Uh, not necessarily religion, but just relating one to one and seeing the beauty in everybody, you know, like relating to people on the other side of the planet. You know, we're all the same. Maybe people have different clothes or speak a different language, but it's just become becoming familiar with your neighbors and and joining together instead of feeling separate. Like, oh, they (laughs) are those people over there. It's us. To me, that's like maybe a way of thinking that people are getting into social media, especially, you know, uh, Gen Z, that they've grown up on this. I don't think they see other people's enemies. You know, they like music and just existing as, I guess, co-dwellers and not so much concerned with, with I guess, division.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. Interesting. Let's talk about this last one, and this might be the biggest of the three that we've discussed well four really because pluto return was kind of the fourth one solar arc saturn in gemini in 2024 august just a couple of months before the next presidential election will mm-hmm. will conjoin the united states natal mars and this happens in the 7th house i'm going to let you take it from there <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of elections, you're going to have a whole new generation of younger people that will be voting and referencing back to, you know, anybody who's recently turned 18 in the last couple of years, they're going to be voting. And I think they'll be coming out and that could, I guess, alter the balance because, you know, they're going to be the generation that's going to pick up and take over from the boomer generation that is starting into retirement so these new generations there's a resistance to them and their ideas you know uh their newfangled ideas and uh, so i think that saturn solar arc saturn it's double-bodied in gemini so it's of two minds and there's it's kind of extreme i think it ties in with the extremism we're seeing with the pluto return but um But Saturn is going to be the authority, and Gemini is like the sign of a, you know, ruled by Mercury, which is, one, gender neutral, and two, it's, to me, I think of it as a teenager of the Zodiac. It's a youth. And if we look at Mercury in the U.S. chart that has, it has rulership over Saturn there because it disposes its sign, that's in Cancer in the eighth house. So that could be a transformation through, you know, spirituality and knowing, and and also cancer is a sign of, of youth and women and its uh, security, and the eighth house is also power. So there's definitely some power coming from several different directions, but I will be interested to see how the youth vote shows up, to see if, if that's going to be something that tips the balance, can turn... I guess, turn the Mars into a different direction because Mars is one in the house of our uh, one, friends and enemies and partnerships. So it could also perhaps signal maybe a treaty if, if that's uh, the authority, Saturn coming up to Mars, that could signal some kind of negotiation or treaty that's signed, I think, uh, is a possibility if, if one needs to be signed or brokered.
0: Now, this also is the aspect that Robert has been saying signifies the potential as well of civil war, with several things contributing to that. One, Saturn and Mars conjoining, the two malefics, the god of war in the natal chart, uh, Saturn being the great karmic leveler, if you will. The sign that it's in, Gemini, as you said, being a dual split sign, there's the split and then the seventh house, which a lot of people say, now, wait a minute, doesn't the the, the seventh house represent relationships? It does, but what's the opposite of relationships? What's the opposite of a favorable relationship? Or as relationships in the United States, at least, statistics are that if you get into one you got a 50/50 chance of getting out of it and then what used to be love has turned into war so the 7th house does have a shadow side of war with it as well do yes. you, do you see that aspect as an ominous aspect or more of a positive
1: well saturn certainly is limiting so you know i'm concerned about the freedom of speech like i think saturn is going to try to limit that Or, on the other hand, it's um, our communications. And so I know a concern that people have had is our communications being hacked or disrupted, satellites. Um, And also, I'm looking at Saturn as ruler of the second, our economy. And also, the third house is Aquarius on the cusp. It rules that, one of the co-rulers. That's our communications and infrastructure. So whoever controls communication and infrastructure can modify our values as a country. So I think that's the precarious role that kind of the insidious propaganda seeping into social media has had. It's more of a war of minds and hearts through a lot of misinformation. And that, I think, is a critical piece. the enemy isn't necessarily out there outside of you with a gun. It's, it's whispering in your ear.
0: Daly and I did not compare notes at all, and we didn't. There was nothing other than just, hey, let's put the chart up and start talking about it. And something that has come up of this conversation that I didn't expect is a Geminian communication theme here, talking about the third house. Mercury, Mercury right now in the sky is in the United States third house, moves fast, but so that's not long, but it's there right now. We've been talking about Aquarius, new media, social media, communication, back to this theme of communication. And then even when we hop over to the relationship house, I think you did an excellent job because it is. It's in the sign of Gemini, communication, Mercury, Mercury in the United States chart is in the eighth house, which is the house of death and transformation. So, you know, as we talk about looking at these themes that recur, we've got the solar arc Pluto on the midheaven. That's one transformational theme. The Pluto return is the other transformational theme. We've got the connection with Mercury that you've so very brilliantly brought up, and Mercury in the United States chart sitting right there in the house of transformation. I don't know. That's just, that's all. Oh, and solar arc Mercury is in the fourth house. It's in the latter degrees of Pisces right now, but the fourth house being the homeland communication. Wow. Quite a theme that's emerged from this.
1: Yes. And I wanted to note that our U.S. Sidley natal Mercury in Cancer, along with the Sun in Cancer, Cancer is famously patriotic which is a characteristic of Americans. They love to wave flags and Fourth of July and all of that. And and especially in times of national duress, uh, the patriotism comes out in force. So in the various ways. So people pull together in very patriotic, you know, standing ways. And and that's considered a mark of being a real American is – Is displaying patriotism in a big way because Jupiter (laughs) Jupiter and Venus are also in Cancer. So we do things in a big way here in the States.
0: Well, and right now, as you mentioned that even, that in back to this solar arc chart, they are all trining those same planets in Pisces, water sign. So this is, yeah, really amazing. So that would, I think, would amplify and punch that uh, even more. It almost yeah. it looks like there is this, you know, the whole Piscean thing and this Neptune opposition. Neptune, of course, in Pisces. I think we all who follow some kind of I don't know, the terminology gets in the way, new age or metaphysical kind of thinking, that there is this new consciousness that's around the corner. I think we can see exactly. it, we can feel it, and the chart is actually showing that. We gotta get some pruning done. We're going to have to maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, short-term pain, long-term gain, but there is emerging from this a new spirituality, a new consciousness. It's not going to be religious. It is going to be fresh and vibrant and will carry us into the future. Don't you get that feeling?
1: Absolutely. And I don't know if you mentioned the solar arc moon just entered into Scorpio within the last year, and it's in our house of hopes and goals and wishes, and it's in a grand trine with the Piscean solar arcs and the natal uh, cancer planets. So I I think that's very hopeful for the public to really realign and Scorpio is regenerative.
0: And we've got, as you say, a big water trine, Mm -hmm. Scorpio, Cancer, Pisces.
1: Yes. So that's through the feelings and the intuition and all the metaphysical connections. Yes, exactly. It runs deep, and um, things show up on the surface, but a lot of work, I think, is being done underneath the surface, metaphysically.
0: This audiobook that I narrated for Steve Forrest, The Endless Sky, has a chapter in it that is just priceless. He talks about, well, the, the name of the chapter is When the Saints Go Marching In. <laughs> and and what he was referencing was this big Neptune in Pisces transit that started in 2011 and 12 and goes through about 2025, the broadly, when it finally dances its way out. But those 13, 14 years are a time when, as he was saying, mystics and sages and spiritual leaders and who knows what are coming back and marching in to help lead us out of this mess that's been created. And you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who is parenting one of those kids born in that time frame and set, and they feel like they see, they see the specialness in the child and they feel the specialness in the role as parenting that child. They can feel it. The point was that you wouldn't have this special generation of kids coming in if there wasn't going to be a future for them to do. So I think that's the bright hope, that however dark it gets, or whatever is in front of us, that the saints are coming marching in, and there will be a future, and they are going to help lead us out. I think it's just a beautiful picture.
1: Yeah, and when you mentioned that, what came to mind was, in the last presidential election, Marianne Williamson was kind of laughed at for being, you know, for speaking of these spiritual forces at work, and about wanting peace in this, and I think people uh intellectually think it can't be done, but you have to start somewhere. So maybe on certain levels people will start relating in that way. And I think when we look down at the third house with with those Piscean and Aquarian solar arcs, you know, that's hinting at that. So I think it's a worthy a worthy goal and each successive generation replaces the previous one and they have knowing And experience and ideals that uh, replace the old. So I think it's a a beautiful thing. And um, I felt like I was born ahead of the curve. Uh, I don't feel in step necessarily with my own generation, but um, I can't wait to see, you know, what, what good comes of it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Delia, thank you. This has been enlightening, educational, and fun. <laughs> so thank you for doing oh, it with me.
1: Absolutely, you. Uh, your advertising is uh, is is accurate as billed.
0: We, we will always try to keep it fun, even in its uh, even uh, even in its darkest hour, as as Churchill would have said. We'll keep you, it fun. You
1: have to have a sense of humor because if you don't, you know, you can't give up ever on anything.
0: Delia, thank you for your insights. Always great having you here, and thank you for being on our team of readers as well. If you go to the funastrology.com website, and you go to the readings tab, you will see the three ladies that we've talked about, including Delia, and each one has a little profile there, and you can listen to their introductory podcasts. So if you would like a reading to see what's going on in your own life, we have that resource available, and Delia is one of those readers for us. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Thomas Miller, praying for peace and sending love.